Welcome to That Vacation Co. Podcast. I'm Caleb, and Chanel is with me today. We are going to be continuing a series that we began uh, previously on the Finger Lakes. And this is the region of New York that we actually live in. We live on the westernmost part of the Finger Lakes. And uh, Chanel's been taking you through her adventures through the Finger Lakes. Um, Now, I have to give an update here, not related to the lakes that she is speaking of today, But recently, just a week or so ago, uh, I finally uh, crossed another Finger Lake off of my list. And I believe it was Cayuga, which uh, borders, or I should say the town, the city, whatever, town or city of Ithaca borders. Uh, We went down to Ithaca to attend a Cornell University football game against Yale University. Uh, Cornell disappointed uh, tremendously, but the campus was lovely. Uh, We had a really good time. Uh, The game just was a little bit lackluster, uh, but we had a good time, and I got to see a little bit there of Cayuga Lake, very beautiful area, Um, a little bit more hilly, I would say, uh, at least Ithaca is than I expected, uh, but really cool. Um, but that is not the lake that Chanel is talking about today. And she is, as you'll probably already have noticed in our show notes, going to be speaking of two lakes, two of the Finger Lakes. So um, I'm going to turn it over to her and she's going to take you on a trek, a journey, if you will, uh, through the Finger Lakes. So get ready. They're uh, easy to get lost in the Finger Lakes. Uh if you remember that episode from The Office, um, it's, it's easy to get lost in the Finger Lakes. <laughs> it is a large portion of the state. It's, um, it's, <laughs> Caleb's laughing at me. I'm struggling with my headphones. Okay. Um, you may notice in the background, we have our, as usual, little fern sometimes trilling and making noises. She loves to do this uh, thing where she rolls her R's now, and and um, it's we say she speaks in Spanish whenever she gets upset or excited. Um, so if you hear that in the background, that's what's going on. If she gets too crazy, Caleb might grab her and take her to another room to play. Um, so, okay, let's get right to this. We've got two lakes to cover today because... There are 11 Finger Lakes, and I just wasn't sure that we wanted to make this 11 episodes long. So, going to try to combine some lakes from here on out. Um, So, the first one that we're going to be talking about today is Cayuca Lake. Um, And this is uh, a very unique lake because it's the only Y-shaped lake out of all of the 11 long, skinny finger lakes. So this is kind of like a forked, it looks like a Y, it does. It's kind of in the heart of the Finger Lakes region. It's like smack in the middle of all of the lakes. Um, and um, like I said, it's very unique. Uh, because of this, it also used to be called Crooked Lake. It is much more shallow than any of the two larger lakes or any of the larger lakes we've looked at. At 183 feet deep, um, uh, like you can tell, that that is much more shallow than the other ones we've talked about. We've talked about Seneca, which is over 600 feet deep. We've talked about Cayuga, which is over 400 feet deep. So uh, when you hear 183 feet, you think, wow, that's pretty deep. And it is, but when you compare it to the others, it is much more shallow. So the water temperature stays warmer, making it great for summer sports. 
Supposedly, the name Cuca means canoe landing and lake with an elbow, respectively, in Iroquois and Seneca languages. So I'm not sure how that one word can mean both of those things in two different languages. I mean, I guess that happens. But um, there you have it. That's according to Cuca edu. That is one of the local colleges in the area. Um, that was a factoid listed on their website about the region and the lake. Um, at the north end of the lake is the town of Pin Yan, which I remember hearing that name shortly after we moved here, and I thought that is an unusual sounding name. Um, Pinyan is the name of the village. It has said to be contrived from the first syllables of Pennsylvania and Yankee, as most of the early settlers to the area were from Pennsylvania and New England. Um, and the latter, of course, were known as Yankees. So Pinyan. So there, there's my explanation. I kind of have just had come to accept that New York had some unusual, different-sounding names, as most states do, um, and just kind of got used to that one. But I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, that is a very unusual-sounding name for a town. There you have it, Pennsylvania and Yankee, Pinyan. The area is known for its Amish and Mennonite communities, um, and Yates County, which is the county that Pinyan resides in, has one of the largest horse and buggy communities in New York State. And this is absolutely um, understandable. Or, or it's um, You could see that visiting the area. I've been to the Pinyan area one time, um, which I'll talk about a little bit here in a minute. But um, there were lots of horse and buggy um horse and buggies going by us um, on either side of the road, which um, for me is still a bit of a novel thing. I'm, I'm kind of getting used to that as I travel to different places in New York and PA now living up here, but um, it's certainly a novel thing when I first saw it. And now it's kind of a little bit more like, oh yeah, of course. Um, but for anybody who's not you know, from the area, it's it's kind of a, a cool thing to see and an uncommon thing to see horse and buggies being used. So Amish and Mennonite communities have been here for a very long time. And um, you can see their uh, roadside markets. You can see them out and about. So it's very interesting. Um, in Pinyan, this is my really my one and only experience with it. Um, a couple of years ago, some friends and I went to the windmill, um, which is a, a large outdoor, or I say outdoor, somewhat part of it outdoor, part indoor, um, large market area with all sorts of things from crafts, clothing, food, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'll just read, what I'm going to do is just read the blurb. Um, from their website to tell you a little bit more about what the windmill is. So the windmill is host to over 175 indoor and outdoor shops filled with handcrafted items too numerous to count. You will discover great food, fresh produce, flowers, custom cabinetry, furniture, fashion, local wineries, artistry, gifts, microbrews, entertainment, and so much more. The windmill offers many on-site dining options from full restaurants to unending snack options. With six wineries, a brewery, and a distillery, the windmill is a one-stop destination for tastings. 
So, um, like I said, some friends took me here a couple of years ago. Um, we had a great time. It is a large um, market area. It is not an entirely Amish or Mennonite market area like you might think of, since I've just mentioned that those communities are popular or, you know, they have those communities there. But there definitely were um, some Amish and Mennonite uh, vendors, especially particularly in the area that had... Um, that had, um, produce. We noticed a lot of that. So this was just a fun place to mill around. Um, lots of clothing booths, craft booths, jewelry booths. I mean, you name it. Basically it was a large outdoor, maybe flea market is what I'm looking for. Um, not a lot of, maybe some secondhand things, but not a lot of secondhand things. It was, you know, craft and artisan and things like that. So a, a fun location to go. Um, we did eat there while we were there. We got some delicious pierogies. I am a sucker for a good pierogi. Um, they were so very good. So this was a great, really fun spot in Pinyan that some friends took me to. Really enjoyable to spend the day there. Um, and if you have, it'd probably be a great place to do gift shopping for Christmas or something like that if you want to get a jump on that kind of thing. The other thing that we visited in the area, and like I said, maybe... This is um, one of the Finger Lakes that I'm least familiar with and have had the least experience, but I have been there, so I can check it off. The other thing that we did while we were in the area was we visited a place called Garrett Chapel, which is technically in Jerusalem, New York. I have to say, New York, out of any other state that I know, has more (laughs) names of other countries and cities around the world in it than any other state I know. There's a Jerusalem, New York. There's a Naples. There's a Geneva. There's a Mexico. There's a Greece. All of these are towns and cities in New York State. It gets a little confusing without context sometimes. Um, Won't go into great detail, but I had a friend talking about how he grew up in Greece, and I just thought that was fascinating. Here I am talking to this guy who's like, yeah, I grew up in Greece. Um, Went through the whole conversation, went through the whole thing, not realizing till the end he was talking about Greece, New York. So there you have it. New York State has, I think, the most names for other places in the state (laughs) that I've ever seen. Anyway, so Garrett Chapel is located in Jerusalem, New York. And this is at the very bottom of the Y. So if you're looking at Cuca Lake on a map, you will see, like I said, that it looks exactly like a Y. And at the bottom portion of the Y where the two forks meet before it goes into the long, narrow bottom part, the bottom tip of the Y is where this is located. And I'm almost, I'm almost hesitant to give this information out because this is such a quiet, beautiful little chapel that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, but it was so, it was so wonderful. I'm going to read you the little bit of information um, that I found on this chapel, why it was built and, and, and what it's there for. Um, really just so beautiful. Um, So the Garrett Chapel, also known as Little Chapel on the Mount, was constructed by Paul and Evelyn Garrett. They managed Garrett and Company, one of the largest wine producers in the U.S. from 1867 to 1962. While there were operations all over the U.S., the Garretts called the vineyards on Bluff Point home each summer from 1917 to 1904. 
The chapel was built in memory of their only son, Charles, who died of tuberculosis in 1929. On his deathbed, Charles asked to be returned to the place he loved best, Bluff Point. Today, the chapel serves as a poignant reminder of the importance of family and the significance of our region to the history of American winemaking. So this chapel nearly uh, approaching 100 years old, over 90 years old, uh, was built in loving memory of this family's only son. Um, And it is a truly beautiful place overlooking um, the lake. Uh, It's on a bluff, so it is sort of high up. Um, And I can imagine when it was built, in fact, I think I even saw a picture or two of like its construction or, or shortly thereafter. You can tell that a lot of the land was cleared and the the trees and the brush were very low. Um, Now you kind of get views of the lake, like little peaks of the lake through all of the brush and the trees and everything that are growing there beneath beneath the the bluff. Um, And it's very um, just beautifully laid out the way that you walk around this building and the, the stone overlooks and everything. Really, really spectacular. Um, I do believe that it's a popular place for weddings, seasonally, etc. The day that we went there, I believe it was closed, but we were able to um, walk around the grounds of this small chapel, which um, I love the architecture of it. It's sort of, it's got um, like a Norman, um, it looks like an old Norman chapel, like, um, you know, going back to like the Roman and era um, of like, Britain or France or something like that, a very old looking chapel, but it's really only almost a hundred years old, which if you think about it, it's not that old. Um, so that was really beautiful. And that's my experience of, of Pinyan. And there's so much more I wanted to look up and tell you and say, but like I said, we're going to cram in two lakes into this episode and I'm trying to be a little bit more succinct. Um, as as has been my practice with this series, I try to look up if there are any shipwrecks in these lakes, and I didn't spend a lot of time on this one at all. Um, so I really didn't find much information, although I'm sure that there is. From what I found when I researched, just searched, you know, what's on the bottom of the lake there, um, they said that often things are found like boat motors, oars, jewelry, coins, things of that nature are what are found. So, um, but I'm sure there's got to be something, right? It's got to be something. Okay, so on to our next lake, Canandaigua Lake. This is the fourth largest of the Finger Lakes, and I think I must admit it's a close runner-up for me for my favorite. That spot is reserved for another lake that we will get to, so I won't reveal my favorite yet, but that one is coming. But this, for me, is a close second, and for a while, I did call this one my favorite, but there is one other that has, I think, taken its place as my favorite. Um, it's Seneca name is derived, uh, the name Canandaigua, let me say that, let me rephrase this. The name Canandaigua is derived from its Seneca name, which I won't try to pronounce. Um, and it means chosen spot or the chosen town. And I must say that so far, I think it is the crown jewel of the Finger Lakes, in my personal opinion. Even though it's not my absolute favorite, it's only my second favorite, I think it really is the crown jewel of the, from what I've seen 
of the lakes. Its max depth is 275 feet and it is 16 miles long. So again, to put that into perspective, Seneca Lake was over 600. Cayuga Lake is over 400. This one is 275. So it's still a very deep lake. Um, the shallowest, which we haven't gotten to yet, I believe is only 40 something feet. So they can be pretty shallow or pretty deep. Um, and I, this, this one I have called the crown jewel because it's so beautiful. The North end of this lake guys is so stunningly beautiful. I sort of stumbled into this lake several summer summers ago, Olive and I, when we first moved here, our first summer, we did a lot of exploring and driving to the finger lakes that were closer to us. And this was one of the ones that we explored, and I was just blown away at how beautiful this lake is. Um, So this lake in the Finger Lakes chain is only one of two to have an island in the middle of it. It has previously been known as Squaw Island. And and actually, the last time I was there, probably a couple of years ago or so, maybe pre-pandemic, um... The placards and things did still say Squaw Island, so I'm not sure if those have been changed. But more recently, the name has changed to Skano Island um, as Squaw was deemed insensitive. So as you may know, a lot of places are being renamed because they um, feel that for whatever reasons, the names given them at some point are were insensitive, and so they're they're trying to return them to um, names that um, are more fitting with the um, indigenous peoples that lived there. So this island, this small island, has a rich history attached to it. And it was a hiding place, supposedly, for Seneca women and children during the Sullivan Expedition in 1779. So not to go too deep into the history there, because I don't actually know it well enough to really go too deep into it. But the Sullivan Expedition, unfortunately, was a um, campaign led by General Sullivan enacted to deal with the problem of the quote-unquote problem of the um, Iroquois nation peoples, the Seneca Indians, the Iroquois, and the other six nations, the six nations that made up the Iroquois nation. Um, And so unfortunately, lots of atrocities were committed, sometimes on both sides. It was not pretty, but I'm not here to really comment too much on history and who was right and who was wrong. Um, All I know is that uh, according to legend, this was a spot where the Seneca peoples hid their women and children to protect them. At one time, this island covered nearly two acres. As of, as of 1853, it was about two acres big. That's decent size. I have seen it in more recent years. It, supposedly, it has now eroded by 75%, and today it is only about 55 feet by 145 feet. So just wind erosion, water erosion, um, I know that the face, the northern end of Canandaigua Lake uh, geographically has changed as they fill things in, as they landscape and do all that to beautify and make parks and make piers. And um, all of that, you know, goes into effect of changing the way uh, things work. You know, of course, it doesn't change the wind patterns or anything, but all of that can affect how things erode. And of course, um, uh, 
whether you want to debate climate change or not and all those things. Anyway, 75% is astounding. This used to be a, um, I believe, a state-run park, and now it's a more, there's like a private party that um, is working on its conservation. Um, But at one time, at least, at least on the placards that were there a couple of years ago, it mentioned that this was like the smallest state park in New York, I believe, which is just an interesting, fun little factoid. Um, So a great spot to view this island is from City Pier. You can walk down, you could get an ice cream cone or maybe even some delicious Abbott's custard that's there at the north end of the lake. And you can walk down the pier and you can sit on a bench facing Skino Island or facing the historic boathouses. There's some really cool historic boathouses there that I think are still owned and used, although from what I understand, people are not allowed to live in them for whatever reason. Um, Just a really cool area that you can walk around and would be great on a date night or something like that. Really cool to walk around. Um, All that I've mentioned so far is the north at the north end of the lake, which is where I'm focusing my efforts because this is where I have been the most. Um, I have been to the southern end of Canandaigua down by Naples, but I'm just don't have the time to cover that or spend a lot of time there. Um, but just for your reference, Canandaigua, the town of Canandaigua is at the north end of the lake, and it is known for um, events concerning women's suffrage and things of that nature. And then Naples is the town located to the very southern tip of Canandaigua, and it is known for grape pie. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, grape pie. For those of you not native to the area, the idea of grape pie is a little bit of a head scratcher, as it was for me. Um, I have since sampled grape pie. Wasn't too sure about that. It's a little bit, honestly, like a pie with like a grape jam kind of a thing in the middle. If that kind of puts your mind at ease or makes you say, okay, I can maybe picture that now. Um, That's what I've sampled. But Naples is very much known for grape pie. Um, I would love to get down there sometime and really try it and try some of the other things I've seen because it looks like a great town, really beautifully situated there at the southern end of Canandaigua. But um, where I am talking about right now is the northern end. Um, Adjacent to City Pier is Kershaw Park. Um, I believe it comprises about nine acres. This is a pretty long, like skinny park that, that... goes along the northern end of the lake, which is very broad and sweeping, open, beautiful views um, at the northern end of the lake here. And so um, Kershaw Park is really beautiful. It is a great place to walk along the lake, get those beautiful views. There are plenty of benches and swinging um, benches like... um, what am I looking for? Like porch swing style benches are there. Um, So very beautiful. They've got these gorgeous um, weeping willows along the pathways there that really just um, brush up against the lake and and the branches even go into the lake. And it's, it's so beautiful. The day that Olive and I stumbled on this park, it was early summer, late spring, somewhere around there in June, I want to say. And it was just like a brilliantly sunny day, sparkling, gorgeous, clear blue water. I mean, just the clearest, beautiful blue water. It really looks like a beachside resort town, like an old timey, like 1920s beachside resort town. Um, it's so beautiful here. Um, so this is a great place to go. It's got a fabulous, um, 
It's got a fabulous playground park for children, which Olive has played at many a time. It's got a designated swimming area for seasonal swimming. Um, It's got locker rooms and changing rooms and all of that for that. So uh, non-residents of Canandaigua can swim there. It, there is a there is a fee for using that area. I believe it's five dollars for adults, two dollars for children six to eighteen, and children under six are free. So not terribly expensive, and you can use that area all day long. There's some snacks and things like that that you can purchase. We have Olive and I have swam there before, um, so it's very nice. Uh, but I'll let you in on a little secret. Another time we actually went there and um, she just kind of splashed around in the boat launch area. There's a adjacent or nearby boat launch area for smaller craft boats like kayaks and paddle boards and things like that. And um, while they might not, they might frown upon adults or, or children or large families just swimming there, nobody really batted an eye at me letting my three-year-old, Olive was then three at the time, letting her kind of splash around near the rocks and, you know, playing around. I think I just, I took her little dress that she was wearing for the day because I had no idea that we'd have the opportunity to really like swim or get wet. I kind of wrapped it up around her into like a little toddler bikini and just let her splash around and have fun. And um, it was really cute. So um, there's a great, so that being said, there's a great spot if you want to kayak or paddleboard this lake, or at least the north end of this lake, it's a really great thing to do. Again, this lake is 16 miles long, so you probably will not be kayaking it all in one day. That would be incredibly intense. Um, So beautiful north end of the lake. You can also, if you aren't content just to walk around the north end, you can board the Canandaigua Lady, which is a replica steamboat that's built to look like the steamboats that were so popular on these lakes, you know, a hundred plus years ago, but you can board the Canandaigua lady, which now is solely used for tourism. Um, you can take informational tours of the North end of the lake. They go down about three miles and back and it's, um, can't remember off the top of my head or don't have the, the, um, don't have the information off the top of my head, but maybe a couple of hours, maybe an hour and 45 minutes, or, or something along those lines. You can take, you know, dinner cruises. They have those, or just like we did. We did this a couple of year, years ago during the pandemic. We took a, a day cruise, and um, you, for additional costs, you could purchase snacks and drinks. And um, we did the cruise of the north end of the lake, and it was really pleasant and really beautiful to see it from that vantage point and not just from the land. So. Very, very beautiful place to visit. You could easily make a day of it. Of course, there are various hotel accommodations and things like that, ranging in price ranges, so you could easily make a long weekend of it. Um, there is a beautiful place that I would absolutely love to stay, but it is incredibly expensive. The Lake House on Canandaigua Lake. Um, a friend of mine recently looked into it, and on a weeknight... Um, for just sort of the the most basic room, we'll say it was around five hundred dollars a night. So um, I don't think any room in that hotel is going to be basic, quote unquote. But um, that's that's a pretty steep price tag. So that's that's definitely a dream location. I don't know if that's ever going to happen for Caleb and Chanel, but um, it looks absolutely stunning. And there are uh, there's one or two restaurants 
in that hotel. So that might be a nice thing to try sometime for a really nice date night is to try one of those restaurants there that's connected to that hotel. There are other restaurants. One famously that I've seen is Nolan's. I've heard of that. Seems like it's got a lot of steak and seafood. Seems like a very nice place to eat for a good anniversary meal or something like that. Lots of beautiful restaurants and places all along the northern end of this lake. This is, um, in terms of real estate, lakeside real estate, it is one of the most expensive lakes to live on in the country. It rivals Lake Tahoe and Lake George for price, for sure. Um, I got that information from the, the actual cruise that we took on Canandaigua Lady. So very expensive. It has been uh, home to various celebrities and wealthy people. And if you drive along, especially the um, western side of the lake, that north northwestern shore of the lake, the homes are incredible. Um, also on that northwestern side of the lake is the Wegmans Organic Farms. Uh, for New York folks, we know all about Wegmans. It's the pride and joy of uh, Rochester and and this this region beautiful um grocery stores if if a if a grocery store can be beautiful Wegmans is that so um their organic farm is located there and it's really beautiful to drive by so this is a really lovely area it probably rivals along with Skinny Atlas Lake um which is home to lots of large mans- mansions and um wealthy second homes for people and things like that so really Big time real estate, at least at the north end. I think the further south on the lake you go, it gets a little bit more homey camp vibe and things like that from what I've seen. Not quite so ostentatious with the homes the further south you go on the lake. Um, Also, I wanted to mention about this lake because I think it's significant and it always... Um, I find it to be moving whenever I walk past it there at the in Kershaw Park. Um, it is the location of a burial ground, which has the remains of 16 Seneca men and boys. Um, it is said that their bodies were found a little bit north of that spot and then relocated here closer to the lake, I think around the turn of the century or so. Um, and there's a monument erected there to them. There's a stone monument um, telling you a little bit more about the details. I've got, have as I've read, I've gotten kind of some conflicting information, but it seems that these um, these Seneca um, peoples, and I think it was, there were all males, I think maybe the youngest they think was maybe around 12, um, perhaps warriors, perhaps brave uh, men that they um, that they arranged. It said that they were found lying in a circle with their faces all turned towards um, what they would call their sacred hill. And so their bodies are located here and there's a memorial to them here. And I always find that to be um, very moving. Um, I believe it was the practice in the turn of the century, you know, when they were trying to develop the area and things like that. They would just uh, they would just exhume the bodies and relocate them. Now there's a lot more red tape with that. Um, anytime somebody wants to develop in, in this area, in the western New York area, they really have to be careful because there are so many burial sites, archaeological sites, and things like that. And so... They do take a lot more care and they have to take great care nowadays when they're digging and and um, and trying to develop an area. So, all right. So 
one more thing um, that I wanted to mention that I've also experienced and been to a few times is Ananda Park, and that is located on the western shore again, about halfway down or maybe even a little more than halfway down um, the lake. It's a former YWCA campsite, so um, a ladies' outdoor campsite that was turn of the century. It is now um, a more public spot that you can go. You can still rent cabins there. It The park is dedicated dedicated to swimming. It also has a playground, plenty of picnic areas. It's a really beautiful spot um, that we've been to a few times. We've been in the fall to see the the leaves changing. We've been in the summer to let olives swim there and picnic there and those kind of things. Um, you can cross, it's got, the park is actually has two sides to it. There's a lakeside and then there's the upper hillside across the street. Um, the hill there is very steep, but you can hike up it. There's actually about two miles worth of um, upland trails in the wood wooded area there that are really fun to hike through. Um, if you go up to the hilltop, you can look down on the lake and get gorgeous views. And from what the website says, winter activities. So they will do skiing and sledding, maybe not skiing, but sledding there. Um, I would be very intimidated to sled on that hill. That is a steep hill and I just would be a little bit intimidated to go flying down it on a sled or in a inner tube or anything like that because just walking up and down it in the summer it's pretty intense so for those who are brave enough you could do some winter um, winter activities there um, so just wanted to mention that because it's a beautiful park with some cool history being an old YWCA camp. I can just get all the nostalgic feels just thinking about that. I'm thinking about um, the parent trap and, you know, the old Haley Mills movie where the girls are there in their camp uniforms and they're in all their little cabins. I can just picture it. I can just picture that area looking like that because it kind of does look like that. Um, but to close this episode out, I must comment on the shipwreck situation for Canandaigua Lake because apparently it's my thing now with these Finger Lakes. Um, there was a shipwreck recently discovered, probably one of many, but um, the article and the little video I found on it were only about a year old. So very recently, I'm, I am recording this in 2022. The article was dated 2021. Um, so they found... Of a um, surprise, surprise, a steam the steamboat remains of a boat called the Seneca Chief. It's probably was there probably about 120 plus years ago, and as seems to be the way of these steamboats that they used on the lakes, they would purchase them, build them. Um, bring them to the lake, use them for a while, and then they would outrun their usefulness. This one, they think, was only in commission for maybe about 10 years. Um, it was a smaller boat, only about 50 feet long, so not great for passenger usage. Um, and it was made of steel, and they said it was much heavier than than most and, and a lot slower. So it outran its lifespan and they believe more than likely it was sunk on purpose as seems to be the trend with these steam, these old steamboats. They just, I guess they didn't know what to do. They didn't think to scrap them or it was too much work to scrap them. So they would just sink them into the bottom of the lake. Um, so a gentleman recently um, looking at some aerial photography, aerial shots of the lake on a very clear day, noticed the boat and went down on a dive and, and found it and, um, going off of historical documents, found it to be the Seneca chief. 
So um, again, I just had to report that because I find those things so fascinating. Um, And so I just have to share those little tidbits with you guys. But anyway, there you have it. Keuka Lake and Canandaigua Lake, two beautiful Finger Lakes to visit. Um, Any of the Finger Lakes are beautiful options to visit. And Caleb and myself, we consider ourselves to be growing uh, in our expertise of the Finger Lakes. So if that is something that interests you and you would love to have a Finger Lakes vacation, Um, give us a call, send us an email, send us a DM on Instagram, and we can start talking about it and give you some quotes for the area or any other place that you would like to vacation for that matter. As you know, we book vacations anywhere you want to go. So hit us up, talk to us. We love talking about the Finger Lakes and learning more about them. Um, But talk to us about anything that you're interested in. Um, We love doing this. We love planning vacations. So thank you so much for listening to this episode uh, in this Finger Lake series. You are listening to That Vacation Company, and we are serving you the most delightful destinations. <laughs>